Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Get into the game. Invest. Find people that you know, like, and trust invest with them, have them mentor you. Welcome to the best ever show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Charlie Hardage. Charlie is joining us from Nashville, Tennessee. He is the co-founder of H&K Investment Group, which improves apartment communities by making them safer, adding value, and running them efficiently. Charlie's portfolio consists of being a GP on 282 units and an LP on over 500 units. Charlie, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? Osh, thanks for having me. I'm fantastic. Good. It's our pleasure. Hey, Charlie, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. I am originally from Dallas, Texas, lived in the Nashville area for the last 15 years or so. Got to see the city go from a, a small, big city to what it is now, just a fun town. As you mentioned, I am a multifamily syndicator, primarily looking at 80 doors and up in 
the Nashville and Middle Tennessee area and a few other markets within a two, three hour drive from me. Charlie, what's interesting is in your bio, I've never seen this before, but you said you improve apartment communities by making them safer. Explain that to me. Yeah, it depends. So we've had some apartments where they had a gate and the gate hadn't worked in years. So we fixed the gate. In one of the apartment complexes, we actually put a security camera system as well, which <laughs> we've only had it for about three months and it's already paid dividends because someone wanted to sue us, but we had footage that they did not in fact fall like they said they did when they did. So that really helps the tenants, I think, from our people breaking in. We have recording, we have footage that we can go back and see who's doing this, who's causing this. And then besides just making it safer, it helps clean up the property as well, because we have people like most apartment complex owners illegally dumping. And so we're able to get a license plate and send that over to local authorities to stop that. So lots of benefits there. And do they follow up when you send them a plate? Yes, they do actually. Well, some areas do and some are like, yeah, we don't really care. We got bigger fish to fry. But Charlie, where are you investing? Right now, primarily I'm in two GP deals, like you mentioned. One of those is in Middle Tennessee and then one is in Augusta, Georgia. And the two passive deals I'm in, one's in Birmingham, Alabama, and the other one's in Houston. Is it with the same operator, the two passive deals? Yes, it is. And actually one of the general partner deals that I'm in is with the same operating group. Okay. Take us back to the beginning of your real estate journey. How'd you get started? Oh man, I've been interested and passionate about real estate probably for 25 years. Never really found my niche on what I wanted to do. We have a, a couple single family properties. We're actually in the process of selling one of those. I was introduced to multifamily syndication probably about eight to 10 years ago. Never took the jump on it until about two and a half years ago. I'm very passionate about real estate in general. I think it's a phenomenal vehicle to grow wealth, achieve financial freedom, achieve freedom of time to do what you want when you want. What were you doing 10 years ago? 10 years ago, I was in the military. I was stationed at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. <laughs> Didn't have much money at the time, so wanted to join one of these multifamily syndication groups. Couldn't afford it, so I was just underwriting deals how I thought should be underwritten. And then fast forward several years, I realized it was good to kind of analyze the numbers and analyze the data, but I was way off in everything I was doing. So it was a great learning experience, but I'm very analytical. And so it kind of gave me some time to analyze numbers, but then also get more involved in real estate and learn more about it. And did you start out with the single family homes? Yes. And to be honest, that was really kind of our primary residence. We moved out of it. We rented that, did that twice. And then we actually bought a full-time investment property about two years ago in near a army base in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. <laughs> Charlie, did you start investing as an LP before you did your syndications? Yes, absolutely. And I would not feel comfortable taking someone else's money if I didn't have some type of background on what goes into the LP side of things. You're very analytical. So was it hard to give your money to that GP on that deal? No, actually it wasn't because I've known their track record for eight years. He was actually the guy that got me interested in this 10 years ago or so. So I knew his track record was 
Lala is phenomenal. They're providing about a 50% annualized return every year and he's in over a hundred deals. So I knew his track record is impeccable. I was happy to give him my money. And I think my only regret is, which Osh, I'm sure you've heard this a few times, but I didn't get in sooner. I wish I gave him money 10 years ago and we'd be in a different spot now. So you're doing great. You're making massive returns. Why complicate things by becoming a GP? Honestly, for me, it's the freedom of time. I left my job in April of this year. I was kind of sick of working for other people, working all hours of the day and making someone else money. I have a beautiful wife and amazing daughter and like to spend more time with them as well. So for me, it's really more about not only about financial freedom, but really just the freedom of time to do what we want when we want to do it. That's important. So you've got your why and that's what's motivating you. Absolutely. How did you get into these GP deals? The first deal was in Georgia, 377 units. I had invested with that team on the two LP deals, known one of the guys for a very, very long time. So he knew my passion and, and my interest as well. So I was able to get into that deal and help raise capital and help. My brother-in-law and sister actually used to live in that area. So I also knew about the area and was able to help them out with that. The more recent deal, which is near me, I was a part of a team in Nashville that underwrote the deal, toured the property, raised capital. So I was there from start to finish for that most recent transaction. How do you raise capital if you don't have your own track record? Yeah, great question. And, and quite honestly, I'm still working on that. And I think I had initially analyzed deals, underwritten deals. And when we did these two raises, they were very close to one another. And it was kind of a slap in the face to say, okay, I definitely need to raise some capital. So I've written 30, 35 articles. Now I just kind of offer these opportunities to, I think, anyone that would be interested that I have a relationship with. Much more active on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, starting to do some email marketing automation through active campaign. So it's really about kind of evangelizing what I do, the benefits of it, kind of my why, why I got into real estate, and that's going very well. So I think raising capital is super important, and it should be something that, in my opinion, every GP should be able to raise capital. There are people that specialize in that. And then to take that one step further, I think as a GP, you should always be raising capital. So it sounds like you've found a niche that you're going to pursue. Do you want to get into finding the deals and managing the deals as well? Or are you content just raising capital? I want to analyze, underwrite. I don't necessarily want to do the asset management piece. I'm not very organized and I don't think I would be great at that, but I am on those weekly calls that we have because I want to know what's going on. I go to the properties occasionally as well just to make sure everything looks good, help out where I can. But ideally, long term, I want to analyze, underwrite deals, be part of the acquisitions, and make sure that the business plan is executed properly. Charlie, it seems like a lot of people, including me for many years, are very hesitant raising capital. With me, maybe it was a fear and insecurity. I was lying to myself and said, I don't need other people's capitals, but I was staying in that under a million dollar range for properties. And really it was just making excuses until I realized that by raising capital from a lot of my friends, I'm doing them a favor 
What was your hesitancy before you started raising capital and what helped you overcome that? I think being comfortable with being uncomfortable is something that I'm working on. I would say four or five months ago, I went to a conference and one of the speakers addressed that very thing. And it was, you're not going to someone, you're not selling them something, you're providing these opportunities to someone. If you are not wealthy yourself and you know someone who's rich or wealthy, you want to know how they got it. At least that's my case. And I like to provide those opportunities to people like myself who maybe grew up in middle class or don't know where to go. Maybe they're sick of their job, not really focused on retirement. So I think for me, Ash, it's really more about evangelizing. This is what I do. We have this great opportunity. You don't have to invest if you don't want to. I'm still going to keep you on my email list because I want you to grow with me. We would love for you to invest, but if you don't want to, that's totally fine. I think people have found that kind of enlightening because I'm not trying to sell. For years, I was in IT sales. So I think for me at first, when I was talking to people, I was coming at it from a sales background, like, hey, buy this. And when that light bulb moment of, hey, we're not selling them something, we're offering them an opportunity to grow financially, that was my light bulb moment. Did you start out with family and friends? I did. I did that. I'm also in several multifamily groups. So I would actually say more of my database was from them than family and friends. And when I realized that was also a light bulb moment because I'm not telling my friends and family what I do. And part of that was I was not very active on social media. So how would they know if I never said what I was doing? How would they know? So been a lot more active. And LinkedIn is a great tool if you use it well. And I, I think that's really been my biggest change in the last few months. Yeah, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. And for years after I left my IT career, people still thought I was in IT and I never corrected them. So shame on me for doing that. And sounds like you had a similar experience where you realize the importance of marketing yourself and letting people know what it is that you're doing. What are some of the best tips for raising capital? If you're on social media, definitely consistency. Um, I think being top of mind is up there as well, because if you're like me, you have a lot of real estate people that you're connected to. So if they're not sending me emails or messages and then really building that relationship, I may forget about them. And I know a lot of times as syndicators, as GPs, once you have that relationship with someone, they're in your database and you might not talk to them again. So I think being consistent, texts, phone calls, emails, just different things like that, interacting with them on social media, I think is a great place to keep that top of mind Charlie, if I'm on your list and I've never invested, how frequently would you communicate with me? And what do those communications look like? So I signed up with Active Campaign last week. I've spent a lot of time to build out that list. So right now what we're doing, Ash, is we have all of our articles that we're going to send out. I mentioned we have about 35 right now. And those are really geared towards brand new investors or brand new people that are interested in investing that don't know what I do, don't know how I do it. And it's really, it's just a drip campaign anywhere from one day apart to five days apart. So that's what it is for brand new people that want to learn about multifamily syndication and what we do. And then we're going to do a monthly newsletter as well. 
And then as far as the top of mind, haven't quite figured that out yet. That's probably going to be a, a once a week or once every four or five business day cadence that we send out. And then additionally, it depends on who it is. Sometimes we text or talk on the phone weekly, daily, and then sometimes it would be in-person events, but really just want to stay top of mind with people and evangelize. Okay. So if you have my contact info, I get the emails. Are you going to text me as well or call me? Not necessarily. Sometimes some of these relationships are from Zoom, LinkedIn, Facebook, and then send them my Calendly link. They set up time to talk. And so sometimes it is just, we primarily actually use the email, put that in our database. If I had to guess, we probably only have about 20% of phone numbers because we don't typically call or text with people that maybe we met at a conference or online. But it also depends on your preferred form of communication. I personally like to talk on the phone. I know some people like to text, some people like Facebook Messenger, LinkedIn Messenger, email. So it really depends on their preferred form of communication. And how often is too often for emails? I try not to do more than one a week. In our email cadence, there are two instances where we're doing back-to-back days because like we talk about high-level overview of the tax benefits. Then the next day we send something about depreciation. The next day it's about 1031. So those three are going to be back to back to back, but for the most part, it's once a week or so. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Everyone is looking for a recession resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with $1 billion in self-storage assets. After completing three funds and selling 38 properties with $0 of investor principal loss, they have an average project level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to their latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R-R-E-L-I-A-N-T.com. Have you ever gotten emails from people every day or every other day where you finally had to block them? Yes. And that's kind of frustrating because at that point I do kind of feel like I'm spam. And my thought is I want to educate. I don't want to tick someone off, right? Don't want to frustrate them. Don't want to blast spam in their inbox because I'm not trying to sell something. I'm offering them this phenomenal opportunity. I'm, I'm trying to educate them and I don't want them to be upset. I don't want this to be a chore to them. Our emails should take about two minutes to read. The article should take another couple minutes to read. If they're interested, they can set up a time to talk to us or email us, whatever. So yeah, I don't like that when people send something out and it is back to back to back to back. And then you may not hear from them for a few months. So yeah, I've got a person that I really like, met them at a conference and it seemed like I get an email from them every other day and I finally had to block them. It's a shame to do that, but Man, it was a bit much. She's talking about her personal life, which is great, mixing it in with business, but it just got overwhelming and truly just a waste of time. So yeah. How do you track 
leads to closing investors? Yeah, great question. I am now on my third CRM. My first CRM was just Google Sheets, just putting everyone's name, email, and if I had their phone number. The next one was HubSpot. Their CRM is free. And that was great. You could do a lot more with that. And HubSpot integrates with all types of things. Last week, I moved over to Active Campaign. And really, the reasoning to move from HubSpot to Active Campaign is kind of the value that I get with Active Campaign. I am actually paying for it, but there's a lot more automations. With HubSpot, you can do the automations, but the price point would be much, much higher at that point. Because I'm in two deals as a GP, and quite frankly, I don't have this database of thousands of investors, I know who has invested just by looking at the CRM. So I've not really even gotten that far off to put additional tags or additional filters in there to know who's invested. Right now, I can do it off memory. What are some of the high-level benefits of ActiveCampaign? Because I know a lot of large syndicators that use HubSpot. And I know a lot of people that use Active Campaign as well. I don't know enough about it. I think they're very similar in terms of the automation. HubSpot has way more features. The CRM, they have marketing, they have tickets like work orders. HubSpot is great, in my opinion, for larger businesses. Being a real estate syndicator, I don't necessarily we don't need any work orders or tickets put in because our property management has their own system. So we don't mess with that active campaign, at least from what I'm using it for. It's a lot more of that CRM, but then also the marketing piece of it, the automations that we're doing, and I am no active campaign expert whatsoever, but if people click on links, then you can have them send a different email. If they don't click on a link, then you can have it automatically follow up in three, four days. So it's just this path of You can take them down your customer journey or your investing journey. There's a lot of different features of ActiveCampaign. I think HubSpot has most of them for what I use it for, but I think the price would be 10X or so. Interesting. I didn't know that that was a feature. What are you doing to court new investors? I kind of have a two-pronged approach. One of those is just being more active on LinkedIn and Facebook, and then also the active campaign, really just build my brand. And then the second part of that, new investors, I'm also looking to network with GPs as well, help raise capital for them and expand my market. I mentioned that I'm primarily focused on middle Tennessee, but that's not the only area I'm looking. I partner with good operators and and GPs and other markets, like most of Texas, a lot of places in Florida, Atlanta a few other markets that I'm interested in. So with those, again, LinkedIn, Facebook, where we can connect on there. I'm in a few multifamily groups that I'm active in and and just meet new people all the time. Charlie, help me understand how you connect with people on LinkedIn, because I get a ton of messages on there about investing in multifamily syndications. Everything from, have you considered investing in multifamily to here's our latest offering, What's an effective approach that's worked for you? Maybe I sound like a broken record here, but I think educating our investors or really educating my sphere of influence on LinkedIn and Facebook, talking about the benefits, providing these opportunities to other people. Some people are sick of their W-2. And so I do a post on, are you sick of your W-2? Me too. So I left and maybe a little controversial, but really just 
pique people's interest. And I would say in the last two months where I've been semi-active on LinkedIn and Facebook, I've probably had 20 to 25 calls. Some of these are people that I have not spoken to in, in 10 years. Some of these people are people that were a customer a couple jobs ago that I've not spoken to in five years. And it's really people that are interested in what I'm having to say. And maybe they don't know too much about real estate, multifamily syndication. They don't really know where to start, but they're interested. And so that leads to a conversation and then they'll follow my post and we'll just kind of build a relationship from there. I love that. So you're not hitting them directly. You're just posting and they're right. reaching out to you. Yep. Do you post your Calendly link or do you only post that during an interaction, a one-on-one? In one-on-one, I have not posted it just on LinkedIn. Don't know if I'm bold enough to try that. Yeah, I don't know that I've Uh, seen that either. (laughs) But it's very interesting because I've had a call a couple weeks ago with a guy who never met. I don't know how he found my post. He liked it. He reached out to me. We had a call. He said, this is phenomenal. I'm super interested in this. What can you tell me? So we had a 30 minute call and then I have a couple investor decks. One is a one pager that has a very high level overview of what we do. I have another investor deck that goes into a little bit more detail. I sent those over to him and he was super excited. He said, Hey, I have some friends that would probably be interested in this too. And that took me probably five minutes to write the post on LinkedIn 30 minutes to talk to them and potentially a few investors there. Can't beat that ROI. Yeah, I love that. Put the work in. Do you do a personal newsletter as well? Right now, we don't do any newsletter. That is Not we, you. Do you do one? I don't do any type of newsletter right now. Why not? That's on my (laughs) to-do list along with a million other things right now. But that is actually next. I'm working on this education piece on active campaign, the next step is to actually build out a newsletter and send that out monthly. Yeah, Charlie, I'll share this with you. And what the best ever listeners is a couple of years ago, I started doing a newsletter and it's a one page email. It's not pretty. It's just paragraph format. And it talks about what I'm working on, personal milestones, any investment opportunities, and then any lessons that I've learned or failures that I've had And really just kind of a a nutshell of what is going on in my life. And I sent this out to just about every contact I've ever had. And it's amazing for the entire next week, I was on the phone probably eight hours a day, similar to you catching up with people that I haven't spoken to in probably 20 years. And some people that I've only known for a couple of years, 20 years ago. And it was an amazing way to reconnect with a lot of people. So it's one of those kind of mixed business and personal and just kind of put your life out there in a one pager. So I challenge you to do that, man. I think you'll get great results. Talk about quitting your job. Talk about the struggle, the the mindset shift that had to occur for you to do that. Because a lot of people have got to be in a similar boat. And then a lot of people probably want to invest in real estate, but having seen you go through that would probably inspire them as well. Yeah. About two years ago, I had a five-year plan to leave my W-2. Invested into two LP deals as soon as I could. My timeline sped up and instead of five years, I said, let's make it three. About a year and a half later is when I quit. And really, I would challenge people because a lot of people say I can't do it financially. 
To me, it was, we don't have all this money just sitting around that we can live off of for years. For me, it was, okay, we do have several investments that we're making money on, but it is lighting a fire under me to go out and be extremely proactive, not just sit there and wait for these deals to sell, but it's forcing me to go out there and find deals, be creative with getting income. I'm actually working with a multifamily wholesaler as well. One of the benefits of that is I'm able to get off-market deals, find some deals and make a little bit of money there. But a lot of people say, I'm not ready yet. Financially, I don't have the money. And I think if they actually analyzed, that's not entirely true. I think it's really more about a fear of not having a steady paycheck. And for me, the fear of not having a steady paycheck only pushes me to get additional income, find more investment opportunities. And so to me, it was a huge mindset change. And that's really something that I've been going through over the last two and a half to three years is really getting out of this imposter syndrome that I have. I am risk adverse, paralysis analysis, all of those terms, I've heard them, I've lived them, and it's taken me way too long to break out of them. But it came a point where I just said, hey, if I'm going to do it, I got to do it now or never. Because I'm sick of looking back three years ago, thinking the same thing I am now. Oh, I just want to get into real estate. I just want to invest. And it's like, well, there's no better time like the present. Yeah, that's a great point. And I bet for a lot of people, that number is a moving target. So if they say I need a hundred grand liquid cash, and then I can quit my job, they can save up a hundred grand. And then it's another 50 would be nice. Another 200 would be nice. So I I could see how a lot of people talk themselves out of that with a moving target. Thank you for that. Charlie, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, best advice ever. I would say get into the game, invest, find people that you know, like, and trust, invest with them, have them mentor you. I did not heed my own advice, by the way. Otherwise, I would have invested into an apartment complex seven, eight years ago, but that would be my advice. Charlie, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right, Charlie, what's the best ever book you recently read? I've got two, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins and What It Takes by Steve Schwartzman. And Charlie, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I love talking about real estate. I love providing opportunities for others to reach financial freedom. If you're a new syndicator, if you are a new investor or wanting to be an investor, let's talk. And Charlie, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you to have that talk? Yeah, I have the website hkigllc.com. My phone number's on there and there is a Calendly link on there. And then also I'm very active on LinkedIn and Facebook. So please reach out. Charlie, thank you for the conversation today. Thank you and your family for your service in the military and your sacrifices. And thanks for sharing that story. You made the leap, leaving your W-2, started out as an LP investor, found out that you're great at analyzing deals and raising capital. So again, a great story. And thanks for sharing that with us. Appreciate it, Ash. Thanks for having me. Best ever listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.